Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Hello, tomatoes, sheltering in place. Welcome to our Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. I'm Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of the Three Tomatoes newsletter. And with me today is Eileen Smith, and she has written a book that is about to be released that I loved. It's called Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality. And before I read this book, I probably wouldn't have picked it up in a bookstore, but I'm going to encourage everyone to pick it up because I thought, I don't have trauma, but this is amazing book. And one of the things she believes is that 80% of mental health issues are the result of unresolved trauma trapped in the body. And you may not think you have mental health issues, but you may have pain lodged somewhere. And we're going to explore this. And I'm really excited, and especially with COVID-19 and the trauma we're experiencing around that. We are going to dive deep. Welcome, Eileen. Well, thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here, and and what an opportunity for me to get to speak about this at what a what the perfect timing. Well, there are no accidents, right? No coincidences that your book is coming out next month, right? Correct on May fifth. Yay! That's really exciting, and so I want to get right into it. And for people who may not have just heard that title, they're like, "What? What are you talking about?" And I believe, well, I know it is called somatic therapy. Is that correct? Yes, somatic experiencing, and it's a body-based therapy. All right, so why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about somatic experience versus talk therapy. I know that's a big deal. It's all in the book. But just a little bit so that um, people who have had no experience with somatic experience uh, can get a little grasp on that. Okay, and it's a a great place to start because... um, when we think of therapy, we often think of talk therapy. And what the way what the way I like to look at it is, we have talk therapy, is which is what I call top down. It's working with the mo- the highest level part of our brain, and right, it's our cognitive functioning. But bottom up, which is what a somatic therapy is, is basically working therapeutically with the body, and it's working with our most primitive instincts where trauma gets lodged in our body. Like if you think about what trauma is, it's not necessarily about an event. It's about the energy that gets locked in our body around real or perceived threat. So if that's the case, then we need to invite the body into the process to get it resolved. It's not necessarily enough to resolve it from what we call top down through talk therapy. Um, We have to have what we call a biological completion in the body in order for the trauma to get resolved. And yeah. I can unpack that even more if you'd like. Well, yeah, I do. I, what I've read in your book and in other people's books, it's like, um, and this just came to me, I remembered it from the book, but and when an animal faces trauma 
and it shakes violently, right? To release that trauma is, can you explain that? Yeah, so, I mean, and so somatic, let me just give a little history about somatic experiencing. It was developed by Dr. Peter Levine and Dr. Levine was trying to figure out, excuse me, why, why, why animals in the wild do not get traumatized and why people and domestic animals do. And after you know, years of studying this, what he ultimately concluded is that it, it appeared that animals had this sort of biological completion where they'd shake off the trauma and they'd sort of, what the shaking off really does, it's sort of a reset for the nervous system. And if you think about what happens with human beings when, when let's just say we have an acute trauma, such as let's say you get hit by a car, you know, you're lying on the ground and um, the paramedics come and for liability issues, right? Nobody wants you to move or, or shake and they, they basically hold you down. Mm -hmm. and, but what's our body's natural instinct? Our body's natural instinct is to move and shake. And so, so that's, you know, the work is, so that's the biological completion is allowing for the body to integrate that trauma. I like that biological completion. It's interesting because I, I had a surgery, you know, 18 years ago, a hip replacement. And I remember coming home and shaking so violently because I was just like freaked out about, you know, being home out of the hospital and what's going to happen. And, and I can remember that so well, just shaking and shaking and shaking. And I mean, I had to really, you know, breathe to calm down. And, and, and I, so I, I can understand that. Right. And, and that's the thing. We, if our, our bodies don't lie, they actually, if we can trust them enough, they'll guide us to exactly how to heal. But, you know, we've gotten so far away from really listening to ourselves. You know, we have so many distractions and, you know, we're, we've been conditioned and told other ways that we need to resolve things. But the body, the, you know, all the, the answers are in the body. So tell me or tell us a little bit about how you got into this, I mean, I know I have read your book, but I do think it's interesting because, well, yeah, your story is, 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 um, is very interesting. So share, you know, briefly how you got into somatic, uh, understanding the somatic experience. So I had gone back to school in my early forties. I had a couple of, a couple of very different kinds of careers and um, I started, I, you know, I went back to school to get a master's in mental health counseling. And when I was completing my internship, um, my supervisor had um, been trained in somatic experiencing and, and as well as a couple of the other clinicians that I was working with. And I was sort of fascinated by this idea that, um, that trauma gets stored in the body. And I was, I was sort of um, I was intrigued by this, especially for myself. I had been in talk therapy for since my early 20s, and I had been um, really struggling with eating disorders and anxiety. And I decided, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into, and I decided to go to the first of a three-year training. And like a light bulb went off for me. And um, you know, as I moved through the training, I started using um, somatic experiencing with my clients and I just, I couldn't believe the results I was getting. Um, I also, as a student, I became a patient of the work. And I noticed um, very quickly that my nervous system was becoming more regulated. I was struggling a lot less with anxiety. Um, you know, eating disorder behaviors were just sort of melting away. And it was just such an organic process. Um, and so from there, I just really felt um, as I, I, you know, had a, I've had, as I was working through my own practice, 
with clients, I'm like, you know, I really would love to get this information out there to a lot larger audience. I think that we're very misinformed about um, therapies. Oh, so could you tell us a little bit about how it works in a session? Because I think people can hear somatic, somatic, somatic meaning touch, but can you give us a little bit of an example of how you might work with a fictional patient or someone that you might have worked with who came for an issue? Because I think that's the interesting part too. So I'm gonna start by saying this. Um, the talk in somatic therapy is more not is not so much about retelling the story. It's about about getting to the real story, which is in the body. So somatic experiencing uses, the part of the model is something called Saiban, right? It's working with sensation, imagery, behavior, affect, and meaning. And through those channels, we often lead to what we, some sort of spontaneous movement or the body will have some natural impulse that of, of, in the body that it wants to complete. And so that's kind of the goal of a session. Um, so, and so some of it, so that's like not the touch work. The touch work is something else and that's just kind of an adjunct to the therapy. Um, and I think a lot of the work does happen when we do touch work. I can give you an example of, um, a situation that I had with a client that, um, was on my touch table and I started touching into her body and, um, the next thing you knew, we got into, um, her relationship with her mom and all of a sudden we are we are somehow or other moving through her birth Ooh. and her body i mean she was shaking and sweating and the tears were coming coming just just pouring and that's really if you think about how we we, we release trauma from the body it's going to be through heat shaking and tears and so that's generally what we're trying to accomplish through a session. So it might be, it might happen through a talk session or it might happen through a touch session. That is so fascinating, really. I mean, it just, and you also wrote that, as you said, some of it, the trauma can be from in utero or during birth. And that is fascinating stuff too, because it's not just from an accident we had or, uh, you know, whatever that caused the trauma, correct? Right. And trauma can be acute. It can be chronic. It can be multi-generational. So there's many different varieties of trauma. Um, and so like, you know, I work a lot with, um, especially I work with a lot of eating disorders. So I work with a lot of people that have had what chronic stress and trauma throughout their childhood. So they've basically been li living under stressful conditions throughout their entire, you know, early part of their lives. And so that is one one channel of trauma but you know it can be it can be many different things and it's obviously going to be different things for different people a lot of it has to do with you know your nervous system how you were born in and then environmental and biological factors so you know i have uh studied a lot of different modalities healing modalities or look just read about them or done them and there's something called body talk are you familiar with that i am familiar with body talk so I, it, not that it's the same at all, but I mean, I see that they are all very complementary uh, modalities that would work together, I guess. Yes, and, and yes, and I think that there's many different modalities and it's really, at the end of the day, all of these modalities are really about building a safe container in the body 
and allowing for a person to be have you know a safer condition internally so that they can move through their experiences. So do you think, and my, my assessment of this after reading your book, um, do you think that most people have some sort of trauma? It's the rare guru that doesn't, perhaps? <laughs> I think that if we're human, to some degree, that we've all been traumatized, yes. It's just a matter, it's a matter of how resilient you are and your ability to recover, how much safety you have internally and, and around you. And um, you can learn that, you can help teach us that, right? Well, that, that's a, that is part of the work is to help a person become safer within themselves. So they, it's, it's about creating a deeper relationship with yourself, one that's more meaningful and one that's more connected because the more connected you are to yourself, the more you're going to be able to connect in the world and the more present you're going to be um, as you're moving through. Yeah, it's interesting what, you know, some of the things you said in your book, and I'm just generalizing here, is that we really need to focus on uh, how we're feeling in our body. Is that correct? Or like, yeah, yes, it, it's correct. But the part of the issue is when we've been traumatized, we disconnect from our bodies because if you think about it, right, it's something that happens too much, too soon, too fast without any way to defend yourself. So mm -hmm. if that happens, you're going to try to disconnect your, from your body to survive. So it's about, that's why it's really about reconnecting and creating safety within yourself if you've been traumatized, because you're not going to be connected. So, I mean, I obviously, I don't know if you work with PTSD patients as well, but that's, yes. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that all of us can, I mean, I, I have a little PTSD around, <laughs> I dislocated my hip a few years ago and, and really that was very traumatic. And I, I know what it's like to have that, you know, not certainly to the extent of a person who has been through something really horrible in war, but uh, if, if, so here, before we get into <clears throat> the collective trauma that I think we're all experiencing now, is it important, is, you have assessments in your book, which I think are really interesting, uh, assessing how we, you know, the reader, uh, our trauma level, and I, I really was interested in taking that, and I'm sort of medium to low, so that's good. But if, if someone at home wanted to, you know, say they're feeling stressed and, and they can't uh, see anyone or can't do anything now, is there any little quick exercise that you could, I don't know, I love all your exercises I'm back to, but encourage them to do, I mean, my sense is let's just take a deep breath and feel into our body, but not everybody can really do that. Right. And so there's other ways to try to get connected to your body. And, you know, sometimes it's just through our senses, you know, it might be um, being using some essential oils, it might just to, you know, be able to get more connected to your sense of smell. Um, maybe it's something tactile, finding something that feels, you know, texturally that feels really wonderful to you and, and touching into that. So I think that we can use our senses as an entry point to feel into our body without it being overwhelming or threatening. Um, I give an exercise in the book, which is just a self hug, which is basically, you know, holding your arms around your body. And it, it, it gives us a, the ability to feel our physical boundaries. And when we can feel our physical boundaries, we can better sense our emotional boundaries. Oh, that's a good one. Let's just stop on that for a second. <laughs> it, right now, before we get into the whole coronavirus thing, I call it the virus that shall not be named. But there are a lot of people isolating at home alone. 
And I was thinking about that when I read that about the hug, I thought, oh, that's so important for people to maybe give themselves a hug too. I'm concerned about these people because you also speak about the importance of touch. And I'm concerned about these people who are isolated at home for at least a month and now who knows how much longer. Yeah. And I mean, God, the power of touch, it's, you know, to not be touched is just, you know, it's, it's, it's part of our human condition. We need touch. So yeah, I mean, the self-hug exercise is good. And I think at this point with the coronavirus, um, being as connected as you can through FaceTime or Zoom or whatever it is to other people is so important right now. Because when we've been, when we are experiencing trauma or something that's potentially traumatic, the sooner we can feel safe in the midst or the aftermath of the experience, the more capacity we're going to have to recover. So right now we have to find ways to feel safe, even though we're not in a safe situation. I, you know, that was one of my questions. Is it going to lodge, is the trauma of COVID-19 going to lodge in our bodies and something we can do to resolve trauma before it hits, before it actually becomes ingrained? And you just, you answered that, I, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure. Well, I think it's going to be different for every person, right? And, and depending upon how much support you have or choose to have during this time is going to play a factor in that. But look, look, there are a lot of people that have lost jobs and um, can't feed their families. I mean, these people are certainly going to be more traumatized than others. Um, I, I think it's going to be very individualized how we come out the other side of it. But collectively, for sure, I think we're, we're going to see a big collective trauma vortex. I, you know, and I'm noticing it. It's really interesting. I'm noticing the disorientation that people are having, even like with, with Zoom appointments, like or trying to schedule things. People seem a little bit disoriented, and that's part of the trauma right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm going through trauma. <laughs> I keep forgetting things. I keep forgetting. Oh, my gosh. I have a Zoom call. Well, we're, we're overwhelmed. We're in a situation. We're overwhelmed. Um, there's a lot of unknown. I mean, it's scary. And people Not are scared. It is scary. And, and I am... It, you know, I think about the young children. Yes, there are those from privileged households or loving households who are going to be basically wrapped in their, their family's arms. I don't mean that literally, but literally as well as metaphorically. And they will get through this as a time where they remembering where they spent all this wonderful time with their family. But then there are those who will not, and I, I worry for their future and the future of these young children who were not loved during this time, who were ignored because- Who don't have food, who can't, or scrounging exactly. for food and all those things. Yeah, that's gonna, it's gonna be, for children that already don't, didn't feel safe before this, and then to go through this is gonna be, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is, it is heartbreaking. And I, I just hope the word gets out. So as we talk about this collective trauma, so I guess you gave a few ideas. Anything else that, I mean, I'll, that we can do that right now, right here, that to help us, you know, so that we come out of the other side, on the other side, not feeling that trauma lodged in our body? I think, I think if I was to say the top thing, I think it's really, like I said, I think it's about connection. Um, I also believe that we have to do 
even if it's 10 minutes a day, we have to do something every day to stay connected to our body. So whether it's, it's getting out for a walk, being in nature, whether it's rolling out a yoga mat, whether it's taking a foam roller and working with your fascia, um, whether it's lying on the ground and doing breath work, anything that's going to help you stay connected to your body rather than being hovering above your body is going to be helpful right now. And you know, I tell people like, okay, 10 minutes a day is going to add up. If you just take 10 minutes to do that, it will make a difference in the end. And you know, it's, I think a lot of the time, and I know I've experienced this myself in this process, there are days where I don't want to. And so I'm, I'm all about like, you have to white knuckle it because you never feel worse after you've done it. Yeah, that's a really good, I'm like a huge, <laughs> white knuckle it. <laughs> that is such a good way of saying it. I'm a huge exercise fan. And honestly, I've been really good about the first couple of weeks, you know, like two times a day and, and then, <laughs> I think I've been overdoing it, but you know, yesterday I was just like, oh, do I have to? And I did, and I felt so much better. It's, it's like you said, you have to white knuckle it. You have to, but I really, I'm going to encourage people to do that even more. I do these motivational minutes every day and I've, I talk about that, but I think this is something worth repeating and meditation. I assume, boy, if we did at least 10 minutes of exercise, I'd say 30 minutes and like 10 minutes of meditation that would probably be great for everybody, right? Listen, it would, it would certainly relax our nervous systems because right now our nervous systems are so overactivated from all of this. And, and I, the other thing I would also suggest, I just was thinking about this, is that we really need to be careful about where we're getting our news and not sitting in front of the television all day watching. I couldn't agree with you more. I do not read or watch anything now because I know I know what we do. We wash our hands, we wear a mask, we stay inside. There you go. <laughs> it's not it's 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 a different kind of living, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I think that's great to not listen to the news. That's 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 a huge thing because that will and I know many people who devour it. But yeah. I think even if they don't seem like it's bothering them now, it will. We'll tell them they got to feel their bodies. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's also just, it's another way to disconnect from your body is to just zone out and watch the news. Yes. And I have made, well, I don't have to worry about that, but I, I could probably sit in front of Netflix all day or <laughs> my guilty pleasure, the Hallmark channel, but I don't. And, and it, it's just because I'm not that kind of person. I kind of wait till everything's done in the evening and then maybe an hour of TV, but, but that's sure a way of escaping, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think this is a great time that, you know, we can use this time productively. I mean, I'm sure that many, many people are listening that have projects around the house that need, that they want to get done, that they're, they're not getting done or things that they've been putting off when their lives are really busy. And this is just an opportune time to create a little purpose, even, in, you know, in, in your house that way, right. you know, have yeah. a little sense of accomplishment. And I, the more and more people I talk to, they are, they're cleaning, they're throwing, if I see, you know, there's a lot of people posting old pictures that they're going through their pictures. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I do, I think that most people are trying and I also know that a lot of people are stuck. Like I'm certainly not getting my book written, you know, <laughs> mm. it's hard to do some things, but I, as I try to tell people, do it five minutes a day, you know. Yeah, whatever you can do, but I think it's really about staying connected to yourself right now and to other people. 
Because yeah, it's it very easy, very easy to go down that deep, dark hole of isolation and, and feeling unmotivated. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, I, I, it's hard. You have to lift yourself up and hopefully people are listening to this and they will lift themselves up after they listen. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, back to your book, just a little bit, um, you know, there are a couple of things in here that I thought were so interesting because you, you break it down into healing different, different parts of people. I don't know. I'm not a scientist or person. I don't know that I'm saying it right, but you talk about healing from different, um, things that we have, whether it's a disordered eating or whatever. And it's so interesting because our healing from chronic pain, oh my gosh. And healing rigidity. I know this is, I, it's so funny. I was reading, when I first read it, I was like, I don't really understand that rigidity. And then it came to me, it's like OCD behavior. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would try not to label it as OCD because I think that a lot of times people the rigidity piece that I talk about in the book is about, you know, we, we're, we're so stuck in having to do things or wanting to do things a certain way because of, we're fearful that if we're out of routine, our whole world's going to fall apart. And I see this a lot with eating disordered patients. Um, and so it's about, it's about learning to relax the body a little bit more so that we can be so that 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 rigid person can have more fluidity in their life i love that because i do know a lot of people like that including hello myself mm. i mean i used to have really bad it, it wasn't diagnosed as ocd when i was a kid because nobody knew what that was but i had that had to do the same thing at the same time and i know that by behavior modification i just came out of it because you do in your teens somehow um but mm -hmm. i have learned that with behavior modification like you suggest you know, just doing something and seeing it's okay. Well, it's, it's really about, it's what I would say is that it's about teaching the nervous system something a little different without overwhelming it, right? Like, so if you're a really rigid person, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you know I wouldn't suggest that that person go ahead and have total disorganization in their lives because their system will get so overwhelmed, they'll have a swing back the other way to even more rigidity. So I think these things that we have to shift them slowly and we have, to, we have to make our nervous system okay with the new normal. Yes, yeah. And, that's and so, so that takes time. And that takes time and patience and persistence. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that you said that really starts the healing process that I uh, took a nugget out of your book is awareness and acknowledgement that there is trauma. And I, I believe that now everybody is aware that there's trauma. What do you think? Yeah, I think that we're beginning to talk about it more. I think it's becoming less of a stigmatized thing. So yeah, awareness is the beginning of the healing process is to just be able to acknowledge, accept, and um, be with whatever we are with um, rather than trying to fight it. And I think that that is a really good way to sort of uh, close up our chat because awareness, perhaps that we are all, every single human being, unless you are so enlightened that nothing bothers you, we are all a part of this collective consciousness experience and experiencing trauma. And Absolutely. if we acknowledge and are aware of that, we can begin the healing before it really deeply sets in. Is that correct? I would think so. Yeah, I think that that is correct. And so it's, it's now about how are we going to support the effort to heal?
and your book shows um, several ways to do that. And I, that's not how I, I mean, that, it wasn't like trying to be a plug for your book. I was just- <laughs> Well, I, but thank you, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Although why not, of course. Yeah, thank so, you. Uh, do you have anything else in, before we wrap up and I- um, no, I just, you know, I, I really hope that people pick up the book. I think that it's, um, this is an opportune time for healing and, um, and I, you know, I'm glad that I can be of support to people to do that. Yeah, I think, I think it is great. And they can head to your website, which is EileenSmith.com, correct? Correct. And Eileen is spelled I-L-E-N-E. Okay, we'll welcome um, it when we send it out into the world as well. And the book again is Moving Beyond Trauma. The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality. Or as we say in this day, healing from our present, you know. Exactly. Get our ease and vitality back once we are let into society again. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Eileen, for sharing your words of wisdom with us. I really do encourage people to check out this book when it comes out in a few weeks. May 5th, I believe. And because it's really vital right now. Well, thank you. Do that. And thank you, Eileen, for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you for having me. All right. See ya. All right. <laughs>